0: are the funniest people i know these
1: are the funniest people i know set improv riffing collars, some sketches characters and interviews and then some more sketches now these are the funniest people you know now these are the funniest people you know now
2: these are the funniest these are the funniest these are the funniest these are the funniest people i know
0: hello world and welcome to the funniest people i know podcast i am here in the studio with four very funny wait a minute it's just three and you. Mm-hmm. That's yep, what makes the four. That's so arrogant to say mm-hmm. that. I'm here with three very funny people <laughs> coming to you live at the Georgia <sighs> Radio. Reading, sir. He's...
3: I'm going to bring a dictionary next week and read to you what the word live means. To me,
2: everything is live. Well, in that case, <laughs> <laughs> we're let's to you live. change the <laughs> words. <laughs> coming to you lit from the... Studio. Nope. <laughs> Where are we, TJ? I forgot for a second. <laughs> yeah. TJ, I
0: know you've been running around having a good time, hanging out at music festivals. Yeah. But the three of us on Friday got together and hung out in my yurt. Oh, hey.
2: what? I miss some yurt time. Yeah, you miss a oh, yurt party. No. Do you know what a yurt is? I have no idea. Wait. Neither did
0: I. Based on. Anything you might know or heard or could guess, what do you think a yurt is? A
2: hippie compound or a teepee or, I don't know... What does that sound? It sounds like you ran out of gas. I did. I don't know where else to go. I gotta imagine
0: (laughs) somebody listening on their rollerblades or whatever heard that noise and just thought, oh gosh, is there feedback? I hope you're
2: wearing a (laughs) helmet.
0: We had some awesome hangout chill time in the yurt. Mm -hmm. I bought a yurt, and the funny part is, it's really just a Walmart camping tent.
4: (laughs) Hmm. Yeah.
0: But when I went to order it, because I had to special order it and pick it up, it was a whole thing, I had to explain to everybody along the
3: way mm-hmm. what a yurt was. Why?
0: Well, I don't know. I thought yurt was common knowledge.
2: It's literally what I've only heard you say. Yep. Really? I showed yes. sure didn't know. So y'all hung out in a tent? <laughs> pretty, much. Yeah, pretty much. in your backyard? It was a yurt. Oh, it
3: sounds cold. But it's like camping but you still have Wi-Fi. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, except Thank it's you. very slow.
0: I tried to write in the yurt the other night when I was on the internet very slow in the yurt. But that's part of it. Why don't you just
4: go inside?
3: Cuz then you're not camping.
4: Right.
3: You're not in a yurt.
0: You're not
4: taking Plus, in nature. You know
3: how Lily right. gets upset when you pitch a tent in the house. <laughs>
4: Not she a, can't take it. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah, she does.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not well, it's awkward. You know, now that the wedding is over, I've been getting back into writing a mm-hmm. little more frequently. Mm-hmm. As a writer, you always have this voice in your head that says, You should be writing. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you writing? Mm-hmm. I know <laughs> this activity seems joyful but is it writing? Because that's what you should be writing. (laughs) Right.
2: Mm -hmm. Do you feel that? Mine sounds like, when are
4: you writing? When are you (laughs) writing? Very weird.
0: (laughs) Yours sounds like Woody Allen if he's constipated. Yeah, that's it. No wonder, What was that
4: one guy, something... Godfrey, no. Gilbert
0: Godfrey. Gilbert yeah, Godfrey. Piago in Aladdin. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That's TJ I mean. Yeah. Some oh, bo- Bobcat Goldsmith. <laughs> yeah. That guy, that's who your mm-hmm. writing voice is. Bobcat like. Goldthwaite. Like a yeah. New York yeah, landlady <laughs>
0: Bobcat Goldsmith was a prospector in Colorado.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Line. Deadline. You have a deadline.
0: George, do you have a voice in your head that gets on you? Yes, but
3: it's also TJ's voice. <laughs> right, and I think his name's Chris, and you live with him. Yeah, it's like, you're not writing, you're not writing, you should be writing. I'm like, I'm working, I'm using the bathroom. He's like, leave me alone.
2: George, get off the toilet, get off the toilet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's
0: the activity that most often keeps him from writing. It yeah. does for me.
3: I once found comfort in a story I heard as a writer who likes having written but hates to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I saw an interview with former Congressman Barney Frank. And he said that he sat down to write his memoir, having been the first gay congressman ever. And he has a story to tell. And as he's about to write that memoir, a seat in the Senate opens up. He really doesn't want to be in the Senate, but he really doesn't want to have to write this book. So he offers to the governor to stand in as a senator for a year to procrastinate writing his book. When you would rather go back to Washington than write, it makes me feel better about all the times. I'm like, maybe I just need a snack today.
4: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh,
3: and the things you do when you plan to
0: write mm-hmm. that you go, well, I could do laundry first. Yeah, I could paint the house. Yeah, yeah. I could go grocery shopping. <laughs> So productive. Yeah. Right before I'm about to write. I might have started a charity on Saturday. <laughs> okay. It was a whole thing. In my wedding, I quoted Charles Dickens in mm-hmm. my vows. And I have this thrift store that I love called the Lost and Found Thrift store in Atlanta. They support displaced youth who've basically been kicked out of their homes for coming mm-hmm. out to their parents. Nice. So it's a really cool place to go. Because a lot of same-sex couples patronize this place and donate things, they have the best books, clothes, antiques, It's just an amazing place to shop. I found this book called The Lives of Writers. That's a good book for you. And here's this lovely photo of Charles Dickens, kind of a caricature, right? He's looking good. Right, he looks
4: a little like W.E.B. Du Bois to me. He's rocking the
0: goatee, kind of the surfer thing. He's awesome, right? I read about Dickens, and I learned a couple of things that I didn't know about. As each new novel was published, Charles Dickens became not only one of the most popular writers of all time, But also one of the most popular public speakers of his day. He entertained people in an age without TV, radio, or movies, and his reading tours earned him pots of money. Audiences treated him as they do rock stars now, mobbing him and ripping his clothes off. Oh my god! Can
3: you imagine women listening to Dickens reading *Tales Two Cities*, throwing their (laughs) bloomers on stage? It was the best of times, (laughs) and it was
2: the worst of (laughs) 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 times. (laughs) he was the original E.L. James
0: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love it what I was thinking about as I was procrastinating hanging around in a thrift store reading this book was that Dickens cheated how's that of course go on okay Dickens didn't have an iPhone Dickens couldn't get a text message. So true. There was no Netflix for Dickens to go watch. There wasn't a movie. He was isolated. There was nothing to do in the olden days, right? Right. Except they could sit down and write. What I'm really trying to say is writers in the modern era have it a lot more difficult
3: than those Victorian writers with all that time on
0: their hands. Oh, that's exactly what it
4: is. There should
3: be an asterisk next to their name when they're given accolades. Yeah. Pre-internet.
0: Created material before the advent of
3: television. And also his popularity, because there's nothing else, there's no rock bands and there's no actors. He is the hottest star in town.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. There's not a new tapas place that Dickens has to go visit. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say Dickens did work hard because when he wasn't on tour, he got up at seven o'clock, bathed himself in cold water and wrote until lunch. He wrote neatly in blue ink with a goose quill pen on blue gray paper. That's exactly how I write, too. Mm -hmm. Mm
4: -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it's so hard to find that pen, Mm -hmm. you can procrastinate.
2: Exactly. I prefer a pelican. (laughs) (laughs) pelican
3: (laughs) That explains a lot. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) When his writing wasn't going well, he would doodle or pick fights with his wife. His ten
3: children. Or his servants. There you go. Those yeah. are the distractions. Mm. Ten mm-hmm. children. He had
2: ten children. Now we know what he does to procrastinate. Right. <laughs> oh I thought you talking about the servants were a distraction. Okay. Well, all of it, well, right? So we don't know whose children they are. Right? Uh, yeah. Sexy servants,
0: too. <laughs> <laughs> so he still had ten children, which had to have been a thing to handle, right? That's a lot of child support. Luckily, he's a famous writer who makes a lot of money. <laughs> he did pretty well. One other fun thing I found Ooh, about no. Dickens, he was also fascinated and this is when I could start to relate, with his own hair.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: If he thought a hair was out of place, he'd pull out a comb, even if he was at a dinner party. Really? Mm-hmm. Notoriously vain, Dickens surrounded himself with mirrors. He wore flashy clothes, red velvet waistcoats, rings on his finger, and a diamond stick pin on
4: his vest. He was like a Liberace of his time, in a way. Like, like again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It
3: looked like the penguin before there was a penguin. <laughs> yeah. And the only
0: other <laughs> thing that I love about him is that when he was a kid, they'd walked by this manor house where he lived. It was probably an upper middle class house. We might consider it a place in Dunwoody. Okay. Every day, he had to pass this house with his father. And his father said, if you work hard, someday that'll be yours. After he sold his first couple of books and became famous, he went back and bought that house. Oh, that's really cool. A- and lived in that house and uh... actually got to live his dream. And now it is a rich kid's prep school. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get to this dream. Oh yes. We do get emails. Thank you for those. Please keep them coming in. Funniest people I know at gmail dot com. We got this email that they asked TJ
3: to interpret a dream.
2: As they should.
3: Do so you want me to read it? Uh, yeah, well, let's hear okay, it, George. CJ, are I'm ready to hear your interpretation of this dream. Mm-hmm. It's a doozy. I was in a futuristic world, blending my backyard in Atlanta as a kid, Charleston Harbor, and outer space. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't fly, but you could skip around through the air. I was some kind of adult Lost Boys, Robin Hood, space gang type of outlaw outfit, and we were running missions along the perimeter of a dangerous territory. And we had giant wolves with us as friends and protectors. <laughs> There was one young one, I guess wolf, who I either was training or was training me, because from time to time, in an otherwise loving, trusting bond, the wolf would put his jaws around my neck and growl. I mean to say in these moments, I could feel its teeth begin to sink into my flesh and feel the desire of the wolf to end me if it wished. As terrifying as it was, I knew to just go limp and show the wolf that I wasn't afraid and was even willing to accept it if he had to kill me, although I hadn't done anything to antagonize the wolf who was my friend or cause him to want to kill me. In these moments, with his jaws around my neck, I connected with his psyche and I could feel the wild in him, the fear in him, some kind of blood lust. I leaned into it in a way and closed my eyes as if to say, you got me here, bud in the end he always let go followed by a childish kind of did i do that putzing around and then would give me a big
2: wolf pup lick on the face tj yeah you
3: want to unwrap that one
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> wow first off they sound like an amazing writer they, <laughs> it sounds like a great sort of a movie it's interesting that the settings and locations of our unconsciousness creates when we're sleeping such as like a blend of our childhood backyard and vacation spots like charleston harbor i wish they were here so i could ask if there's any significance but they both kind of make sense but i wonder what the deal is with outer space sometimes recent tv shows or movies that we saw come into our dreams oh yeah mm-hmm. they play background. So we
3: he's watching Star Wars. I
2: read the internet, you guys. Oh, okay. so, uh, mm-hmm. this is all so you've natural. done some studying I on did. dreams so you don't look foolish. And part of it is also natural. And, You're into it. Sh- and, exactly. I in, I was, into it Yeah, no, that was on a real southern. <laughs> I think like I was a dream interpreter at one point. In another okay. life?
3: Yes. <laughs> it's such a weird thing to think you were in a previous life. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you doing your hands like
0: that? <laughs> I don't
4: know. Is that how you conjure <laughs> your... Just, I'm trying it out. <laughs> you know, okay. I'm
3: just like, is this me? You look like yeah. a
0: dancer on her first day Okay. Who's been asked to give someone a motorbike?
3: Kind of uh, like like Steve
2: Martin when he's a wild and crazy guy. Like that, that's oh, how TJ's moving right I now. I love it. I feel like to dream of outer space represents the unknown. They're kind of experiencing a new situation, new feelings, new ideas, and their mind is going through wherever they have gone before. And so that could be maybe that. What's going on with the wolf? It's interesting that they said they saw a young wolf because that implies you must protect against evil. Okay. And you may support someone who will steal from you later and will denigrate or destroy you. I know it is rather dramatic, but I'm willing to stay here to be wary of others.
3: I guess being bit in the neck by a wolf will teach you to be wary of <laughs> others. Right? Other
2: okay, so wolves? Also... Yes. About that, a wolf (laughs) with an open mouth denotes that your enemies are overwhelming you. Okay. She needs, needs to watch for enemies. These are my dream interpreting hands, I think.
4: The more you get deeper into yes. the dreams, yeah. the it, more yeah. your hands...
2: Yeah, it, it looks, looks
3: like, like you're reaching into another realm and pulling yeah. the answers out. I am. Or like you've just discovered motor skills. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like you just noticed
2: you had yes. fingers. Yes, I love hand motions. It's part of being gay, I
3: guess.
1: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also,
2: <laughs> if you will, if you haven't caught on. I won't. Uh, a fierce will also suggest a cruel enemy. And wolves are kind of aggressive, so being bitten by a wolf in a dream can also denote someone will attack you verbally. pretty obvious.
3: Altogether, you think they are feeling out of place and they're about to get sabotaged by a friend?
2: I think so. Well, they they need to watch out. Exactly. Yeah, watch your back.
3: Like, uh, someone's trying to kill you in outer space.
2: They think they trust them. Be careful of who you trust. That's excellent advice.
5: Beautiful,
0: TJ. Thank you. George, I know you've had a little extra time on your hands because you own 18 restaurants now. You're married. You've got pets. You've got a huge family. You're a good friend. You're a writer. When do you find time to
3: review classic films? That's a really good question. (laughs) Here's what happened. We have another pop culture blind spot. Mm -hmm. And this was inspired by our friend Neil Reddy, Mm -hmm. who called out the movie Gone with the Wind. And he's like, Mm. I haven't seen that. I'm not a 90-year-old woman. Uh And so I was having a conversation about that with my mom... Gone with the Wind is her favorite movie and I mentioned that I've never seen it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe you've never seen that movie. I once tried to read the book, 120 pages in, I gave up because Scarlett's still upstairs getting dressed. Oh. <laughs> like, Nothing yeah. is going to happen. I was like, it's a thousand pages and she's just going to go to lunch. <laughs> Has anybody in this room seen Gone with the Wind? Yeah. Uh,
4: I, I loved it very much as a kid. I don't know how I feel about saying that <laughs> now. but
0: I, I know the classic scene because my mom watched it. So uh-huh. I probably saw bits of... Of it
3: while I was running around playing Ninja Turtles or something. I sit down to watch this movie, and I know it's a long movie, and then I find out it's four hours long. That's exhausting. That's a road trip. That's not a movie. I knew that it's about slavery and the Civil War, and I was like, I can't try to watch it with a 2019 mindset, mm. because I know that's just impossible. The theme song is a classic, and it comes on, and the first shot is slaves happily tilling the earth and the Aww. beautiful sun. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> come on. Come on.
4: Then, Do you mean they didn't like their work? <laughs>
3: So I'm about over the movie halfway through the opening credits, which are epically long and have like every extra listed. It's like the end of the movie. And Scarlett kind of sucks. I hate her early on. Mm. And she keeps saying fiddle D D, which I think is the F bomb of her generation. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, You are dirty.
4: So you just mean like Scarlett O'Hara just as a character is just like trash. Or Vivian Lee. No, I think Vivian Lee's perfectly nice. Okay. okay. I'm not
3: trashing Vivian Lee. I'm talking about Scarlett O'Hara is a bitch. Yeah, okay, okay. And I didn't realize this. I thought this movie was just a boring romance between her and Rhett Butler, which it's not. Uh, and that's what's cool, that it's about the war from the people at home's point of view and mm-hmm. as the female point of view. And I think that's really interesting. I like an anti-hero, a mm-hmm. hero that's unlikable, mm. but she's so unlikable. I, that that. I had a really hard time with it. So every scene, she's into a man named Ashley. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Why are you into a man named Ashley? Like, get <laughs> <dead laughs> over Ashley. And then we meet her parents, and they call each other Mr. and Mrs. O'Hara. And I thought it you, and you just start calling Lily Mrs. Amato? <laughs> and she has all these small problems when the war is going on. And I know that's the whole point, mm-hmm. but I was just so over her. And then she's like a big at this party. <laughs> oh. And she is
2: trifling all over everyone's beau. Mm-hmm. Can we just pause and just reminisce on the fact that they had naps at group The nap naps time. was
3: fascinating. At,
2: right? At a party. <laughs> all the women would just take off their dresses and take a nap. Yeah. yeah. Like in the same room. What a mm. beautiful concept. And then at right. one point cause I wrote it
3: down because the quote was <laughs> well brought up ladies take naps at parties.
2: <laughs> yeah. And so then I thought
3: of your friend who fell asleep at your wedding. <laughs> oh, I was like, well, see, that wasn't embarrassing. She's just oh. a well-brought-up lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then this trifle and Scarlett, Scarlet, <laughs> tries to make the Ashley gentleman jealous by marrying his brother, who looks like Lindsey Graham. Then she throws a hissy fit, and she breaks his vase and makes a fool of herself. And I'm just getting so uncomfortable with this movie. Everybody's getting really excited about the war. The next thing you know, somebody's dead when you see her and Rhett and then they start mm-hmm. to, like, bond over both being terrible people, I like her more. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then every time she does that, she ends up being really obnoxiously terrible. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, slapping people and, like, telling Rhett she'll hate them forever. Mm-hmm. And I'm back to, like, hating her. So I got a lot of emotion mm-hmm. in this movie.
2: She's well, like a Scorpio, for sure, right? It's just, like, up and down. <laughs> up and down. Yeah,
3: really I think she needs meds. She could have yeah. really gone for some bipolar meds. Or something.
2: Yeah.
3: And she's epically narcissistic. Stack. Mm-hmm. Yes. During the war, they bring her in to be a nurse, mm-hmm. and this woman is no nurse, and she's just like, "Oh my god, I'm so over all the dying; it's
2: bothering me." <laughs> very
3: inconvenient. Oh, who pity on you, Scarlet? Yeah. <laughs> I also beginning to feel that the word Yankees mm-hmm. was a pejorative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know about sports teams being named this. People are not using this word in a nice way. This is also a fiddle, DD. That's like um. a, the Y word. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> and then Chrissy makes me very uncomfortable. Even though I'm trying not to watch it with 2019 eyes. Mm-hmm. I she just really uncomfortable character and she sounds like Latoya Jackson and I just that was a hard part so I try to skip through some of her scenes I love Mammy though and I Uh know that she's a gross stereotype Uh but I love her she's kind of awesome I want to be friends with her (laughs) and she's always right I got to about halfway through the movie, Mm -hmm. where there's an intermission, and I was just tired. Mm -hmm. So I thought I'd finish the recap on another episode, because (laughs) as of now, I'm not sure why this movie is the greatest movie of its time. But you guys have seen it. Does it get better?
4: I still remember it from a very young perspective. I was maybe like six or seven last time I watched it. I don't even know if I was awake the whole time.
3: <laughs> I like napping to this. There's just quiet music.
4: I just remember being excited by Curtain. So I'll say, yeah, it gets amazing.
3: When did it come out? 1939 so it's 80 years old. Oh wow. Mm. She was
0: from Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At one point I auditioned for this company in Atlanta called Atlanta Movie Tours mm-hmm. and they offer a Margaret Mitchell tour.
4: Yeah. Her place is popping. It's real nice. Mm-hmm. It is.
3: And that's the weird thing about this being in my mom's favorite movie. There was posters on the wall in the house. On her 50th birthday, we did a Margaret Mitchell-inspired birthday and went to Oakland Cemetery. And yet I've never seen this movie, and I'm watching it, and I'm judging my mom (laughs) there's so many other movies. She's an immigrant. She wasn't around in the 30s. She could have picked any movie.
0: I wonder, though, if something about when it came out, It might have spoken to people based on what was happening Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. In hindsight, sometimes we'll look back on why a certain movie or TV show was popular. Mm -hmm. So I wonder what it was about that movie. Was it the fact that she lives in a big house and she comes from money?
4: Like George mentioned, it was telling the home side's perspective, which I think was part of that It makes me think of Harry Beecher Stowe's book, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm -hmm. We would cringe if we read it today, but at that time it was thought to be this super abolitionist piece of work and then progressed society and it made people look at themselves. I figure it's similar to that. At that time, it's probably the American dream that was presented to them. (laughs) And
0: she was a strong female lead, which was cool.
4: Margaret Mitchell was the granddaughter and great niece of Confederate soldiers. So that was what inspired her, all the stories Mm -hmm. from her older family members. And she just romanticized that whole era.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The point of view is really cool and it's interesting. And I understand that... Through the four hours, Scarlet changes as a person, so she Mm -hmm. begins insufferable and awful, and I guess at the end is less insufferable and awful, because you can't change that much. (laughs) Um, I'm only at the part where she swears she'll never go hungry again, which I know that line, but I didn't know was from this movie, and that's like real dramatic. Yeah, I say it like almost
4: every day though. (laughs) (laughs) Have you gotten to Brett's? Famous line? Well, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. No, that's the
3: last line. Oh, that's the part but that, I, that I'm I know that with. part. I haven't I haven't gotten to the drapes and the dress. I did get to one part though. She's walking out of the hospital and she's like, "I can't deal with dead people anymore." And so she storms again. out in the hospital and she's on Peachtree, I guess, because it's Peachtree Hospital, but it's a dirt road with carriages and horses and everything. Yeah, but there's a ton of traffic from hundreds of years ago. <laughs> Atlanta's traffic has sucked, and then when everybody's trying to flee Traffic is like a nightmare, and nobody knows the road rules. And and nothing changed. We didn't fix that. Sherman burned down the city, but they didn't put up new street signs.
2: Right? Yeah. Families go on vacation. They're like, Oh, we're going around Atlanta. There's a war
0: (laughs) happening. It's very dramatic. We're gonna go around the perimeter because of that war. That was Pioneer 285.
2: Yeah. Oh my god. Like Atlanta is a
0: nightmare. (laughs) I'd never live (laughs) ITP.
2: Oh god. All right,
0: folks. We're gonna go on back to the writers' graveyard. Yeah. Classic funniest (laughs) people I know. We've done enough of these now where I can say classic FPIK. Yes. We're going to twist this one up.
3: We'll do a graveyard theater. All right. Let's hear it. Okay. Thanks, Will. I'm here with our friends, Sorrel and Armand, and they're funny actors that I know, and we're trying a new segment, Graveyard Theater. I've just given them a sketch that they've never read before, never seen. They haven't practiced it. something that I wrote that for some reasons did not make it to the stage, and we're going to do a reading of it. Why don't you, Sorrel, be Denise, and Armand, you're Brian, and I'll be the guy. Did
5: you say we're really funny?
3: You're especially funny. Sorrel is among the funniest people I know. And it only I- took 36 episodes to invite you. Great. <laughs> yeah. That-
5: <laughs> so, yeah, I'm top of your list.
3: I Thanks so much. Presenting Recovery Room Romp. Interior. Hospital.
2: Boop.
1: Well, hey there. You're finally awake.
2: Huh?
5: Oh, Brian! You're here.
1: Of course I am, silly. I'm your husband. How do you feel?
5: Like that time I accidentally ate a whole tray of pop brownies.
1: (sighs) That's the anesthesia. It's basically heroin. Oh. The doctor said your surgery went well and you should be going home whenever you've...
5: You know what, Brian? I've been worried about our marriage lately. We've had all these issues, like especially the sex stuff, you know?
1: Uh, like uh, how you uh, can't
5: sh- get it up sh- and, sh- and you don't sh- laugh.
1: No, I get it. <laughs> Shh. Let's not discuss that
5: now. But that stuff doesn't matter. This, this is what matters.
1: Are you pointing at your vagina right
5: now? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're here when I need you the most. I love you, Brian.
3: Denise strains to lift her head to kiss him. Brian gives her a small peck on the head. I love you too. He's surprised when Denise aggressively grabs his shirt, and pulls him in for another kiss, harder, more uh, passionate.
5: Uh,
1: yeah, Denise. Wow, well, uh where did that come from? Do me. What what? Right now. Let's do it. Uh Denise, do It? We're in a hospital.
5: No one cares.
1: I'm sure they do.
5: No, it's cool. That's why they give you these private rooms. That's... We're
1: very much not in a private room. There's just a thin sheet between us and the guy in the next bed.
5: Yo, guy! Can you hear us? No. We're in the clear, see? Now get up here and make me see God.
3: She
1: smacks him on the butt. Mm. Ow. This is not the time or the place.
5: Hmm. You know, it's never the right time anymore. Okay, Denise, you're not in your right mind.
1: I'm not trying to be a hashtag Me Too. You're clearly having a weird Randy reaction to the medication. Here,
3: he gives her some water, which she
1: drinks and calms. <sighs> How's that? Feeling better?
5: I don't know what got into me.
1: Well, it's not gonna be my penis.
5: Rarely is. <laughs> <laughs> We're always fighting about dumb stuff, you know, like your mother or Netflix. And sometimes I get so mad that I fantasize about shoving all your stuff in your car and burning it, like Angela Bassett did in that movie, you know?
1: First off, you leave Netflix out of this. And also, you do what now?
5: But just now, when I woke up and saw you here, I had a different fantasy.
1: Please tell me you don't set fire to my Prius and this one, too. I saw a flash of us in the future.
5: We're both old, wrinkled, and gray, and I'm dying. You and I
1: have very different kinds of fantasies.
5: But you're right by my side, holding my withered old hand while I fade into the great beyond. Suddenly none of that nonsense matters, you know what I mean? I don't... I don't care.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean.
5: And that image of your grisly old face by my side as I die, it just... It gets me so hot. Uh, Wait, what? Ravish me. Just
2: ravish me right
4: here.
5: (sighs) Come on. Give it to me.
1: Denise. Brian. it Denise. For the love of God, we will get arrested.
5: Oh, who cares? Just give me that vitamin D. Oh,
1: come on. I'd literally die. Blue cross, blue shield doesn't cover humiliation.
5: It's just a little recovery room romp. Everyone does it.
1: That's not a thing. It's a
3: thing. No, it isn't. Back me up, guy. Sure. Yeah, I'll do you. Nice. Yeah. I wonder why that didn't make it to stage. <laughs> I don't know why. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> that it was fun. The hashtag Me Too light. Oh, yeah. It's so last I year. It's probably when it was written. <laughs> That's my only note. This actually was a bit autobiographical. I had a procedure done once, and I woke up from the anesthesia, and I'm in like this recovery room, and we're certainly not the only people in there. And I grabbed Chris, and I'm like... Let's do it right now. And he's like, no, that is so inappropriate. (laughs) And apparently I had tried kissing him, but my mouth tasted disgusting. And He's like, this is the worst ever. And then I was taking selfies. I have about 40 selfies from that moment. I was just like, snap, 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 take a picture with me. (laughs) He always encouraged me. He's like, there's something there, but I just never knew what to do with it. I told Will, the secret to a good marriage is you have to lie. But I guess drugs also helps.
5: Lies, drugs, and
3: lots of sex with strangers. It doesn't count if they're not in the same zip code. Right. Or they're
5: dying in the hospital. That's a
3: charity, really. So this is our PSA, right? It's like, hey, kids, do drugs and lie to your spouses. Thank you guys for coming in to do this graveyard theater. It was a fun experiment, and I appreciate your honest critique.
5: Heck yeah.
0: Thank
3: you. Beep, beep. Now, prepare yourself. For a
0: magical <laughs> journey. Mm-hmm. This is Fairy Tale Audio Theater <laughs> with Sorrel and Armand.
5: Once upon a time, there was a kingdom threatened by a dangerous dragon. Their only hope for survival was to marry the princess to a dashing hero. Uh,
1: hello? Who's there?
5: Many brave, handsome, heroic knights fought for the lady's hand.
1: Who are you talking to?
5: But it was a humble young man from a small kingdom who would win the battle and her heart.
1: Is is that me?
5: Are you a humble young man?
1: I mean, it's kind of weird to call yourself humble.
5: The young man humbly set out to the mountains to face the dragon. Uh, you can go now.
1: Oh, I will in a minute. No, now. Uh, hang on a second. I'm DMing this girl.
5: You have got to be kidding me.
1: Girl, your face is cute.
5: Uh, actually, you sound like a writer. You mind helping me out here? (laughs) I'm not even going to go there with you. Anyway, the brave young man, um, what is your name? Brad. Ugh. Ugh. No, uh, middle name? Chad. You've got to be kidding me. You know, I just have to make something up. Okay, um, the humble prince. Wait, prince? uh, That dead
1: dude? That's lit. I'll change him a tender bio to that. I hate you so much.
5: Ahem. Ahem. Okay, the humble prince set out to fight the ferocious beast.
1: Sorry, still working on that bio. Go! Nah, keep this up, because I actually do some of my best work under pressure.
5: Never save for tomorrow, what can be done today?
1: Dude, you can't just bring stuff up like this on me.
5: What could possibly be more important?
1: Sorry, I'm really preoccupied with Cynthia, so whatever happens is going to have to wait for her to respond.
5: And when do you think she will be responding? When the beast is once again burning our crops, pillaging our villages, slaughtering the townsfolk?
1: What townsfolk? We're in Midtown.
5: Just go and kill it!
1: Who died and made you king? Or queen, Uh, whatever you identify as. I don't want to assume a disembodied voice.
5: Slay the dragon now, or I will see that you never wed the princess.
1: What? Princess? You mean Stephanie? (laughs) I actually ghosted her a while ago. That's moving too
5: fast. Ghosted her?
1: Yeah, it was chill for like a month, but then I got a DM from Sarah, who I solved instance with at a Starbucks, and her ass is stupid fat, so, you know.
5: Wow. You are the worst. But this story does need a hero. (sighs) You're going to force me to do it. What now? Time passed. What are you doing? Monday turned to Tuesday. Tuesday to Wednesday. Uh, Hey! 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 Stop it! Stop narrating! The young man engaged in battle with the dragon. Ah!
1: Get! 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 Ow! Ow! Are you happy now? I got bit, and my health insurance probably won't cover this.
5: The dragon was slayed. The townsfolk rejoiced. Hooray! The princess declared her love.
1: Oh, I'm not. I'm not trying to find the one or anything. So no, it's not for me.
5: They married. Please don't.
1: I don't. No, no marriage.
5: They were blessed with a child. A child. <laughs> no, I can't do this. two. Children. you me. Three children. <laughs> don't have any insurance.
1: I can't take care of them.
0: The end. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the Funniest People I Know podcast. My name is Will.
4: I'm Alex. I'm TJ. And
0: I'm George. Have yourselves a hilarious week. Peace. That does it for this episode of The Funniest People I Know. We broadcast on Saturdays at 1.30 PM on the Georgia Radio Reading Service, and the podcast is available Sundays on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or you can ask Alexa to play the funniest people I know. Please, folks, help us spread the word, rate, review, and subscribe. Contact us on Twitter and Instagram at funniest people I know or email funniest at gmail.com.